Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. This week's episode of the R&R Show is brought to you by Pegasus North America. Hello, Ruel. How are you, sir? Hello, Richard. I am fantastic as always. How are you doing? I am excited. I am very excited. We started this countdown back in February, if you can believe it. Oh my gosh, it has taken forever to get here, but um, we are finishing this week our top 100 games of all time. And, uh, phew, I mean, I knew it was going to take this long, but I I don't think I felt it, but I feel it today. We are finally getting across the finish line. Yeah, I remember talking about this, you know, way back earlier this year, and I was like, okay, I was excited to do it because I haven't actually done my own personal top. Oh yeah, of all time. I mean, I, yeah. So to be able to do this with you, I was like really looking forward to it. But as the weeks went on, I was like, wow, this. You were right. It it was not going to be like just you know one one and done. We were going to take our time and go through all these great games and. Here we are, the ultimate episode, the top 10 of all yep. time. Although, folks, if you haven't caught everything and you don't want to spoil the end of the list, uh, look down there at the bottom of the screen. As a reminder, you can go to rnr.rado.com. That is a playlist on YouTube that lists, um, what is I think this is episode 44 today. So the prior right. 43 episodes are all right there. And nine of those 43 episodes got us to where we are today. So you can go back in time and catch numbers 190. Uh, you know, eight, you know, eighty nine to you know, et cetera, et cetera. But today, we are here to finish it. And uh, <laughs> before we do that, though, a little bit of housekeeping uh, for the show. Up until now, the R&R Show has been a weekly show streamed live on Twitch every Tuesday and then um, brought over to YouTube on Wednesday. I uh, don't know if you're watching live right now, if you're watching this years in the future, but I want to let you know... Uh, we are switching to a monthly show. Uh, from now on, at the final Tuesday of every month, Ruel and I will get back together and we will do another top 10 countdown for y'all. Uh, there's several reasons for the change, um, some business reasons, some personal reasons. I'm not going to go into it right now, but if you'd like to, you can watch the extended edition of this show. Hit that eye in the top right corner screen or go follow the links down in the show notes um, because, hey, there's not just this top 10. Uh, uh, what is today? The, June 7th, 2022. We spent hours ranking games, doing mini reviews, and um, talking about pop culture trivia. And one of the things we talked about were the reasons that we are switching from a weekly to a monthly format. With maybe occasional bonus episodes thrown in here and there. Uh, again, go watch the extended edition and you can get all the details about that. But yes. I think, well, we have waited long enough, have we not? We, we we have waited long enough, so we're getting ready to do our top ten. And just a reminder, folks, yeah, go watch that extended edition. We, we do talk about all the reasons uh, why we're making the change. And as, as I said during the the, uh, the show there, like, you're not getting rid of me that easily, folks. No. I'm going to be here at least once a month, maybe even more, depending on um, some of the reasons we talk about during the show. Exactly, but, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. I see a game on your table, my friend. What the heck is it? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Let's go to the overhead, which I didn't confirm wasn't crashed. It hasn't crashed. Hooray! This show is off to an exemplary start. The overhead camera didn't crash. Uh, Ruel, this is First Rat, a new game from Pegasus Spiel and uh, Pegasus North America, the sponsor of this week's episode. And I don't know, have you tried this yet? Are you familiar with this game? Uh, I am familiar with it. I haven't tried it yet. Okay, here's the deal. Jen and I, we played it for the first time last night. And honestly, I went in thinking, oh yeah, this is just going to be a cute, lightweight kid. You know, mostly for families. A gateway-style game. And I love the theme. It is all about junkyard rats who have decided they've got to get to the moon because the moon is made of cheese. And so they're going to use old busted-up calculators, um, vinegar bottles, uh, you know, um, green pea cans, whatever they can, to build a rocket to be the first astronauts into space. And uh, you will actually pull it off. Somehow they actually do it. And I thought, oh, that's just going to be a cute, fun game. Hey, honey, let's play this, you know, um, the night before we're filming live, because um, it'll be a nice, light uh, thing. And no, it's not. Oh, my gosh. 
Wow. This is a surprisingly rich game. Do not be fooled. You might think, oh, this is, you know, for kids, this is a gamer geek friendly game. At its heart, what happens is each of us has multiple cute, adorable little rat meeples. And on your turn, you are going to do one of two things. Uh, all summarized right here on an excellent player aid, I must say. You are either going to pick one of your rats anywhere along the road up to the launch pad, and you can move it up to five spaces forward and then collect whatever's there, whether it is some cheese, which is money for rats, or whether it's some baking soda, which obviously is going to be the chemical um, uh, booster fuel we need to actually take off, you know, the the whole, um, um, you know, uh, you've done the science experiments, you've seen them where the baking soda, you know, all that kind of stuff, or light bulbs, we need light because we are lighting our way down the road. So you can either pick one of your rats, and you have multiples, Moon 5, or you can do multiple rats. They can only move up to three spaces, and the trick is, the puzzle, they all have to land on the same space. So if it were my turn right now, I might say, oh, okay, I'm going to move... Um, oh, uh, this is a perfect turn. This is right in the middle of our second game. I, we got about halfway through a second game, because we loved it so much. But I said, oh, let's just stop, because I'll just set it up. So my next move might be, I'm going to move three of my rats. I've got two here at the starting, I've got this one, and if I'm moving three, they can only move up to three three spaces, I'll have this one go. One, two, three. It's going to get some cheese. Now, every other rat I move has to land on cheese as well. I'll have this one go one, two. And I'll have this one go one, two, three, four, five. And didn't I just break the rules? I did not. Because this is Lola the Rat. There, I just described the basics of this game. The interesting puzzle of every turn you are trying to decide whether you're going to move one really far to get what you want, and the further you go down the road. And by the way, this is a modular road. Every time you play the game, you're going to get a different combination of stuff you're chasing after. And different point scoring opportunities on all the different meters as well. So there's a lot of variety here. But um, one of the places you can stop at are the three different shops where you can spend all the cheese you have accumulated to unlock cool special powers. Like, I um, I became Lola the Rat, and Lola the Rat's power is she gets to move two extra spaces no matter what. Um, on a previous turn, I had used Neil Armrat, another superpower I've got. His power is he can move however far he wants, but once he gets on the ship, his power is done. Um, but he allowed me to really make some cool moves. There are shortcuts you can take, but you have to spend the resources to do it. And um, there are shops where you can go shopping. All well, the interesting thing is if you make it to one of these shops and you don't have the cheese to buy one of these um, pieces of junk that gives you special powers, you can steal them, which means your rat goes all the way back down to the bottom and starts again. And you might think, oh no, that's terrible. Is it worth it to get a power, but then lose all that progress? Yes, it is. Because I mentioned one of the things you can do is you can light up the road. You can see at this point, I've lit up this much of the road. That means every time my rat stops on any one of these lit spaces for me, I get more resources than normal. So this turn, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cheese. And that's huge! Because the other thing you can do, at the end of your turn, after you've harvested and maybe interacted with the board and doing all kinds of stuff, you can commit your resources. If you've got enough equipment, you can start building the rocket. If you've got enough cheese, you can spend it to outfit the rocket, because those astronauts are going to need the cheese. And that's how you score points, by working on... There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different objectives you are chasing after. And um, again, they're variable points every time you play. And if all that weren't enough, I didn't mention, hey, you can also just go get apple cores. Rats love to eat apple cores. They spend the cheese. They eat the apple cores. And whenever you grab those, you move on this cool little um, rondelle where you, everybody has this marker. You always go clockwise. But if you say, if I had done a move that earned me five steps on here, I might go one, two, three, four, and then I'd have a choice. I can come here for five and get a bonus, another special power, or I could keep going this way so that when I come up here, I could unlock another rat. Or I could keep going even farther and score points. So, again, this looks... uh, uh, Do not be fooled, folks. This looks like, you know, for kids, a sweet, unassuming, charming little gateway game. And don't get me wrong... I think this is could be this is maybe a gateway plus game. It's a it's there's more going on here than a carcassonne or a ticket to ride by far. And Jen and I were both blown away. Um, Jen, when she was like sitting for three or four months, okay, there's once you've got three rats on the board and you're trying to figure out which shortcuts you're gonna take, and you're okay, I'm gonna move multiples. Can I get them all on spots? What powers can you get? It's really impressive, and it really shouldn't come any surprise because one of the co-designers um, is Virginia Geely. There, Geely. 
And oh my gosh, look this guy up on Board Game Geek. Some of your favorite um, super heavy Euros that have come out for the last year, he has had a hand in developing. So Ooh. I was very impressed with first round. Wow, yeah. I am excited about it. I just love the fact that there's a term called Ratronauts. Like, yes. that alone has got me sold on the game. And yeah, this that looks fantastic. I mean, the fact that it has a rondelle, that's so neat. Uh, yeah. I, oh, wow. It's I got all these it. different mechanisms all coming together. And, you know, I mean, I've seen other games like this. Uh, like, there was a, few, a game a few years ago, uh, Robin Run, which a lot of people said, oh, that's for kids. And they're like, no, it's one of the most clever, heavy deduction games that have come out. Just had cartoony artwork. Oh, um, My Farm Shop, also from Pegasus Spiel, I think is the best... Machi Koro inspired, um, you know, rolling dice and harvesting goods style game. Uh, even yeah. better than Space Base, which I know is sacrilege Ooh. in some areas. But Whoa, again, people okay. pass it over because they think, oh, it looks like, you know, for kids. Um, do not be fooled. First Rats got a lot going on. And both Jen and I All really right. enjoyed it. I mentioned we were playing it late last night and we thought, oh, this is going to be a nice, lightweight thing. And we're like, uh, you know, an hour and a half later, oh my gosh. This is so heavy. What are we going to do? <laughs> Granted, we were tired, but um, very impressive game. First rat awesome. from sponsor of the show, uh, Pegasus North American Pegasus Spiel. Okay. All right. Cool. Whew. Okay. We have yeah. um, done our due diligence. We have uh, earned our keep. And now, folks, at long last, it is time. Do you have any yes. final words, Ruel, before we begin yeah. the uh, top before- 100 of all time finale, the top 10? Yeah, uh, before we get going, let's talk about the secret word. Yes, let's do that, shall we? We're not done yet, because I just talked about this so much, some people might be saying, oh, that sounds good, I might like to try it. Well, you're in luck, folks. Because you're watching today, you might win a copy of this for free. Ruel, how do they win? Folks, you're going to watch the show, and one of us is going to mention the secret word, and that's the word you're keeping an uh, ear out for. It's Dolly, D-O-L-L-Y. Right. And why did we choose that? Watch the extended show. We yep. we uh, give our reasons for the, the reason why we're uh, picking that word, but the word is Dolly, and what you're going to do is listen for it. When one of us says it, take note of the game we're talking about at that time, and then send it in an email to contest at rado.com, and you'll be entered to win your co- very own copy of First Rat. Yes, uh, and again, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. A very, very impressive title, if I do very say cool. so myself. All right. Okay, great. Then, I think, without further ado, it is time to begin the top 100. Although, of course, what did I just do, Well, I deleted the, my top 10 list. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. I'll just type them in as I go. There might be a few typos down below there, folks. I already had my list all set up, but I accidentally deleted it and then saved the text file. I'm not going to go try and dig the history out of Dropbox right now. It'll be fine. And besides, I've got a little bit of time because we're going to start with our number 10, which I believe is your entry, correct? Yes, that is correct. So here we are, folks. We've... We, we've done it. We've gone all the way from uh, last uh, this past February to now uh, June, and we are made it to our top 10 of our top 100, 100 games of all time. I'm going to kick things off with my, uh, our number 10. It is Terraforming Mars. Okay, and of course. This game, yeah, uh, of course. It had to make this list. I... Uh, it's been hugely influential. It's still ranked highly on BGG. It came out... Uh, it's hard to believe it came out six years ago. This is a game from 2016. <laughs> I feel like... Uh, there, and parts of me feel like it's still new, and parts of me still feel like it's been around forever. Um, this is, you know, one of the best engine-building games you're going to play. It's got a huge deck of cards. And again, this was influential on games like Underwater Cities, uh, even Wingspan, and the most recent uh, EPGG hotness, um, Arc Nova. Sure. Um, they take they take the engine building to uh, different levels. And, you know, I love the theme. I'm a sci-fi guy, and you're basically turning Mars into a habitable planet. You know, what can you do? Events. You've got events you can do. You're going to get resources. You can Use those resources to um, raise the temperature, uh, raise the oxygen on the planet. You're going to place uh, ocean tiles there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I remember when this came out, it was really tough for me to get a game of it because it was <laughs> sold out everywhere. And then anytime I went to a game night or convention, every single person was playing. I could not get on the table to this. I, it was hard for me to get onto it. So I finally got a copy, and boy, oh, boy, it lived up to the hype. And then some – I actually, these days – um, if I'm going to play this, I, I might play Terraform Mars Ares Expedition because mm-hmm. it's a little, it's a more streamlined version of it. But this, the classic, 
is still fantastic in my book. I love it as a solo game. It's one of my favorite solo games of all time, where you just, you know, you're trying to get all three um, uh, uh, factors up there, uh, temperature and um, uh, oxygen and, and the, uh, the ocean tiles the, the, out there. The water, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The water before a certain amount of time. I think it's like 14 rounds or whatever, but... Wow, this game uh, has it's an engine builder. It's brilliant, and you know one one caveat though that okay. I know some people have trouble with is you know the length of time. It's yeah. not a short game. You're not going to be here for sixty minutes and play. No, you're not. <laughs> it's a full two hours. However, I always play it with the Prelude expansion. Yes, that, that, that is definitely your... worth mentioning, folks. If you yes. tried it out when yes. it first came out, like I did, the Prelude uh-huh. expansion changes everything. Yes, it kicks in your engine uh, right away, gets you going. And I, when I play the base game now, I always include Prelude because it, I, I think it's an absolute must for it just to get the engine going faster and uh, get into the meat of the game. So that's why it's our number 10, folks. A wonderful, wonderful game, Terraforming Mars. I'm really glad you mentioned that. Now, do you think it would have made it this high without the Prelude expansion? Or does that bump it up into this exalted uh, yeah. list of lists? It, it, you know what? You're, you're right. The more I think about it, yes. Without the Prelude, it's probably dropping a little lower on my in my estimation. But yep. with the Prelude, it remains in my uh, personal top ten and yeah. uh, top five of all time. Good choice. And man, I, uh, when this game first came out, it screamed up the charts on Board Game Geek so fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's just remained there as one of the highest ranked games of all time. And it comes in at number ten. An excellent choice, Terraforming Mars. But uh, there's even more Let's to come, on. folks. Yes. Uh, if you ask Let's me, see. I'm going to say as great as um, you know, converting the red planet is I would rather at any given time play our number nine Twa, which is an an older title. Uh, I think it came out maybe 2012, maybe 2011 from Pearl Games, and um, it's so old, in fact, that I went and I looked at my run through that I was going to put on screen for this this morning, and it's so janky. I just couldn't. I was so ashamed. Like, oh, really? that's what my videos <laughs> used to look like. So I'm just using some pictures of it from Board Game Geek because oh, but. Man, this game is is just the bee's knees. It is about um, you know building up a uh, re- Renaissance era city, the city of Troyes. Although, folks, if you're listening instead of watching, because some people will check this out on the Rado Talks Through podcast, uh, it's spelled T R O Y S or T R O Y E S, but it's pronounced Troyes. And um, yeah, it is. Oh, what would you call it? It's I guess a, a dice drafting game at its heart, which is yes. one of my favorite mechanisms of all time. And the trick of it is we. We are all civic leaders of this city. Every round, there are new external problems that are putting pressure on everybody. Plagues, um, raiders, high taxes, whatever it might be. You know, um, all kinds of problems. And the first thing we do every round is, after we've rolled our dice and we're thinking about, how am I going to spend these dice to activate all these different buildings or build new buildings or um, you know, have the people of the town achieve different goals for me? Well, you might have to sacrifice some of those dice to fight off the problems. That, right off the bat, puts so much communal pressure on everybody every round. Because if you don't fight those off, they just stick around round after round and keep putting more and more pressure. And there are a lot of points to be had for being the player who actually solves those problems for the city. But that's just the beginning of every round. The true beating heart of this game is, hey, everybody's got a handful of cards based on what they've invested in in the city. Whether they've invested in uh, civic infrastructure or economic stuff. So you have different colored dice. And I take my dice, I roll them, I put in front of me. And now here's the important thing, folks. Those are not your dice. Those are potentially your dice. But this is a dice drafting game, and any die can be grabbed by anybody. So if I see you rolled the perfect red six that I am so desperate for, and I couldn't roll it, hey, no problem. I'll just give you a coin or two and grab a couple of your dice and add them to my own so I can do a really big super action. Um, and this game, it is, it's is—it's got engine building elements. It's got, what is it? Um, you, you can work on the chapel. You can invest in infrastructure. You can fight. The, I mean, there's so many different things you can do, but it's all driven by this very interactive uh, dice draft. And I have a lot of people over the years who have sold me, Ruel, because, hey, aren't you the ultimate Care Bear? Why do you enjoy that game? Why do you put it on such a high pedestal when it's you constantly stealing dice throughout the game? Jen and I have never looked at it that way because they're not our dice. Yes, they are dice that I can get for free. All the other dice just cost me some money. So, of course, I'm more preference for those. But, hey, you know what? If you took my dice, you gave me some cash. I'll use that cash to buy dice from someplace else. It all comes out in the wash. And it is a beautiful, super crunchy game game with tons of replayability. And man, if you get the Ladies of Trois expansion, 
the game explodes nice. in complexity. But you don't even need that. Just the ro- base game, Twa, it's one of the best Euros ever designed. From Pearl Games, the uh, design trio superstars of Javier George, Sebastian Dujardin, and uh, Elaine Orban. This um, is a masterpiece. One of the greatest modern Euros of all time. Our number nine, Twa. I was wondering where this would fall on the list, and it, it makes sense that it's top ten. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this. I am a little sad you didn't show that you know video, the shaky video uh, <laughs> that you did originally. Because a uh, fun fact, because of that video many years ago, before I was even associated with your channel, I got the game because of that. Oh no wow! Video. I kid you not. I got the game, and here's the thing: I found it in my local convention at a flea market, bought it used for you know a really wonderful price, and then it sat on my shelf of opportunity for years. <laughs> so. <laughs> You helped me get it, but then it just sat. But right before the pandemic, I went to my local game night and played it. And I was like, wow, this lived up to all the hype and then some. Yep. Uh, just an awesome you know, game. And you know, like you said, the whole dice drafting thing, even though I mean, it's just a big pool of dice. And yes, you're going to steal from each other. But yeah, it always comes out to watch because you're going to get yeah. paid for people taking your dice. So yeah, I never had a problem with it. You're right. It's a wonderful game, and I can't wait to play it again. It's it's been sitting on my shelf a little too long, and I, I need to teach it to Michelle. She hasn't played it yet. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's it's a heavy game, yeah. folks. It's a crunchy yeah. game. I barely right. scratched the surface. I there's so many more things I love about this game, like the fact when somebody passes and stops taking dice, they start getting passive income while everybody else yes. stays in. It's just I love that. you are just balled up in tension filled knots from start to finish with this game, and I love yeah. every second of it. But well, what <laughs> nice. could possibly top that? What's our number? Well, eight? you know, for me, I I mean I. You know, we're talking about uh, nice interactions. Here, here's something with a little less nice interaction, but it's one of my all-time favorites, and that's why it's going to be our number eight. It is Blood Rage. <laughs> you can just say it that way, Blood Rage. Um, when I first got on the hobby a few uh, back in 2015, this was all the rage, um, Blood Rage, and I've got to play it at a local game night, and I instantly fell in love with it. It is again, you're you're not going to be shy about anything. You are going to fight. And, you know, take over uh, areas here uh, on the land. It's an area control game. Yeah. It's by Eric Lang and, you know, all the hallmarks of his game are here. And this is actually like it's the next iteration of Chaos in the Old World, Mm -hmm. which I enjoy. But I like this one better. And here's why. Chaos in the Old World has asymmetrical factions, which is great. You know, it's a different type of game. This one, you all start the same. You all have the same player board. But... Through the genius of the card drafting, your faction is going to end up playing differently than everyone else's. Depending on what you put out there, how you how you basically level up your you know characters and your you know all your ships and uh, fighter warriors and leaders. Oh, I love it so so much, and it's it uses card drafting in a way that it's really simple to learn. But then you're going to learn you're going to really get dive deep in the strategy as you start to know the learn these cards. So you're going to get better as you play this. I game. recall it's Seven yeah. Wonders card drafting, right? The whole exactly. I got a yeah. hand, I'm going to keep one and hand the rest of my neighbor kind of hand thing. Hand yeah. the rest of the other, yeah. So there's always that tension, especially at the start of the round. That first tension, like that first draft. You keep a card, but you're giving six cards that you know are going to help your opponent. And like, if you know someone's going to go for the Loki strategy, you're giving them a card. You're you're going to be dead meat, you know. So that's that tension every round. What am I keeping? What am I going to uh, give to my opponents? And you know, the game uh, plays over three ages, and it's always a really just a wonderful 90-minute gameplay, and it plays... It's so epic, yet it always plays in 90 minutes. I, I love everything about this game. It's got the cool mini or not minis. I mean, just... Mm-hmm. All, and they're not all mini. There There's some huge ones yeah, in there, yeah. too, folks. And um, I, I just... It's... I've, I've always loved this game, and it will always be one of my favorites, and that's why it's our number eight, Blood Rage. Uh, yeah, a very impressive game. You might be saying, under what circumstances did Rotto ever film a run-through for Blood Rage? I did, folks. Well, I was thinking, yeah. This is me playing. Um, I just want to do a quick shout-out for the um, board game digital app called Dized, D-I-Z-E-D, which you can get on a smartphone or a tablet, or you can actually do on computers or laptops now, too. I actually did a run-through of Dized, and I lie... Or used it to teach me how to play Blood Rage. This is actually me learning how to play oh. Blood Rage, playing along while the Dized app is walking me through it every step of the way. So, uh, you know, Dized, boy, I really hope it catches on. Publishers, there is no better way in the universe for you to spend your budget for getting people to learn your game than getting your game on Dized and getting people to download it. It's just, who wouldn't want the game taught to them by an interactive tutorial with animations and music and sound effects and dramatic yep. actors reading the uh, and describing how to play. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry. That's just a sidestep for Dyes. But yes, I mean, Blood Rage, 
Is it Eric Lang's masterpiece? Has he? I mean, I know he's done other games in this milieu since, but does anything yeah. touch Blood Rage? I, I feel like it's... Um, I mean, he's done so many great games. Yeah. For me personally, this is the the pinnacle uh, because it's so it's it's one of those games where it, it's it, it's deep uh, deep enough for you know uh, hardcore board gamers, but still, just, it's I mean, it's definitely not a gateway game. It's it's a, even more than a gateway plus, but it's still accessible enough where you can teach it to someone who's fairly new to games and they'll figure it out. I mean, you're gonna crush them, but they're gonna figure it out and they'll learn how to play it. So um, at least that was my experience when I first played. It. I got crushed by a hundred points or whatever, but. But then it still made me want to play it more because I, I felt like I understood how to play it and I knew that going forward I'm going to try different strategies. So yeah, uh, for me it's uh, Mr. Lang's uh, masterpiece. Well, a good choice, a good choice. But okay. if you want to talk about masterpieces, folks, yes. forget about Blood Rage. Let's go on to our number seven, the OG worker placement game from Uwe Rosenberg, Agricola. Of, nice. course, of course, of course, Agricola. Oh my gosh. Now, folks, let me just um, uh, start off by saying Agricola is a great worker placement game, but it's not the worker placement that really makes this game stand out. It is the depth and richness of the simulation of this game where we are medieval-era German farmer, subsistence farmers just barely scraping by, trying to raise a family, trying to graze our crops, trying to um, you know, handle our livestock, whether we've got cows all over the place or we're trying to raise Dolly the sheep, whatever it might be. And every time you play, the beauty of this game as part of setup, if you play with the standard rules, there are simplified rules you can play with as well. But as part of setup, you get, if I recall correctly, is it, um, I think it's, um, well, you get a big hand of what are called minor improvement cards and a big hand of uh, occupation cards. And either whether you're going to do it through a draft or there's several different ways, you can ultimately end up with a hand of, se- of 14 cards, seven improvements, seven um, uh, of the uh, minor or of the occupations. And that's the secret sauce of this game because every step of the way, you are trying to figure out uh, a game that's going to take place, if I recall correctly, over 16 rounds, right... I think in round 15, that's when I'm going to want to play this card. But to do that, I will have had to play this card by, at least by round 13, so it will have accrued enough resources so I can get this thing out before the game is over in round 15. But this other card, really, I'll have a hard time doing it unless I don't have this pair of cards up and running by round 2 or 3. I love Agricola because it is an interesting combination of really sharp tactical play. The worker placement, because there are very few worker placement spots, and if worker placement spots don't get activated, they get better over time as more and more things accumulate on them until somebody eventually says, okay, to heck with it. I got to grab all that clay even that nobody's grabbed. So even though I don't need it, I got to have it. There's so much of it. Um, so there's a, it's really razor tight, the Walker placement tension. Uh, so the tactics of trying to figure out, right, okay, there's no way you want that clay. You're not going to take that clay. And if I wait one more round, there'll be one more clay there. And that's enough I need to upgrade my house from wood to clay so that I can use this special power that will get me two extra rooms and a Baby, you know it's cool, really interesting combos like that. Um, but then, if you're paying attention, you might grab that clay because wow, that clay's been there for a while. So the tension from worker placement is wonderful. It's straightforward but wonderful. But it's this long-term strategy. Having these 14 cards in a given game, you're only going to play four or five of them maybe six, because there's just no time to get all these things done. You'll learn a couple occupations, you'll make a few minor improvements, maybe one or two major improvements, but if you can work it all out so everything comes together brilliantly, you will reap huge rewards. And it is absolutely brilliant. And near infinite replayability, this game in the base box comes with so many cards, so much flexibility, so much replayability, because these cards are all powerful and interesting. And just, I mean, this game has had a decade, over a decade now of diehard fans developing cards. The publishers have been taking them, putting out more and more expansion content, but even the base game is amazing. And in fact, I believe this year, Agricola is going to be getting a 15th anniversary Super Deluxe Edition as well. I'm looking forward to checking that out. But yeah, I mean, folks, it's it's amazing. It is a number seven. Agricola. Yeah, I mean all the reasons you're talking about it's why it's an older game but it's still relevant to this day and again hugely influential and um you know as you said uve's masterpiece yep nice, nice uh, yes and no by the way i say that folks uh i'm hoping ruel i don't know what's on his list i don't know what's coming he doesn't know what's coming for me i hope he doesn't have caverna on his list because i'm sure some <laughs> people are saying wait a minute 
Caverna, which is basically a fantasy sequel yeah. to Agricola. Yeah, um, yeah. Most people consider it to be that their would game. Be funny. Uh-uh. There is no two ways about it. Agricola yeah. is the superior design uh, because yeah. it makes you work harder. Uh, so for, superior for me, anyway. I love it. But yeah. somehow, Orwell thinks there's something even better out there. What's our number six? Yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's stay in this realm of masterpieces. I believe the next one is this designer's masterpiece, and that's why it's oh. our number six of all time. Yeah. This is Martin Wallace's masterpiece, Brass Birmingham. Okay. Uh, this was a redo of his uh, game Brass. and yes. um, Or Brass you know, they, Lancashire. They redid- but the Lancashire. original game is Brass Lancashire. It got that's reprinted, right. and then Birmingham was a spinoff. That's right, yes. yes. And I like Birmingham even more. I mm-hmm. just... Um, I, it's brilliant. It is. This is the game that really burns my brain, but oh, in yeah. a good way. You know, it's uh, you're building uh, networks or routes and uh, networks there. And I'm looking at your run through. Wow, I don't remember seeing this run through. That you've got the the camera on the uh, the stand there. Or the, this uh, is little, interesting. Um, uh, this is one of the last run throughs I ever did free cam style. Um, for wow. years, as I was doing free cam videos, I always had static cam views. It's just nobody yeah. ever saw them because I just listed them in the show notes. But I figured I, I better use this for here because I didn't want to have the camera whipping around and you know have people get motion yeah. sick and stuff like that. So that's a rare glimpse into what it was like for me to film those static cameras. Look at all the stuff on that camera. It was very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Um, yeah, so this game... Uh, Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant game. Yeah. Uh, it's a card-driven game, so you know you're just you're playing cards. Uh, you know, uh, gather or go to different uh, cities there in England. It's an industrial age game, so you're trying to develop different industries. You play in two ages, right? You're going to build uh, ship routes with uh, canals, and then after the the age uh, two uh, before age two starts, you're going to reset. You're going to start building railways, and you need to connect those in order to ship your goods and move them out. Gather the resources that you need to build those, and then score victory points based on that. And you're going to eventually, you know, earn some steady income. And this game is all about timing, folks. You really want to time it just right to sell at the highest price to, you know, sell your um, uh, goods and your uh, resources and also to gather the resource that you need to unlock other things. It's, oh my gosh, it, 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 I'm just looking at it. It really makes my brain hurt, but I've always enjoyed my uh, plays of this. Um, it's unlike any other game that I play. Um, this is a heavier Euro. I mean, it, it's heavy. It, it's no ways about it. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be about an hour and a half, two hours, maybe even three, depending on player mm-hmm. count. But boy, oh boy, it's for what it is, it's so smooth playing and just a brilliant, brilliant masterpiece. That's why it's our number six, Brass Birmingham. I, I can't argue with that. Uh, um, oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean the, the thing about that game is the synergy between players. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Oh, you you built that um yeah, that that beer brewery. Um, thanks. I'm gonna go ahead and take all that beer. I needed to yep. you know keep my workers happy. And you're like, yes, excellent. That's why I built it. Um, because this is a game where everything somebody does is going to potentially benefit someone else, and winning is all about reading the table. Oh, hey, you made a new canal or later on a rail line. Perfect. That's exactly what I needed to connect mine. And that's why you did it. Cause you're going to get a payday every time I use that ca- canal yes. made by you. So sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Wallace yeah, is, really. I mean, he's done a lot of amazing things, but I, I think with a lot of people would agree with a good, with good reason. That is, is his number one game. Um, yeah, Definitely. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So and good. yet, and yet there's something better. Somehow, right. folks, um, Ruel seemed to forget that as great as Brass Birmingham is, what's even better? Uh, something that has absolutely nothing to do with it. The cooperative dungeon crawling Gloomhaven. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gloomhaven is yeah. so, so good. So, so very good. And uh, first of all, I should say, I don't have Gloomhaven on screen right now. This is the sequel, Jaws of the Lion. It was just... Mm. Uh, a nicer looking video. My Gloomhaven videos are really old and they were filmed with prototype parts. So if you're okay, I'll just show Jaws of the Lion, which is the sequel. But re- whether you play Jaws or Jaws of the Lion or the original Gloomhaven or the hopefully soon to be released this year, Frosthaven, the big super sequel everybody's waiting for, this I- I- dungeon dr- um, delving will never get any better than this as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mentioned earlier how Terraforming Mars rocketed up the charts when it came out all those years ago. Oh, yeah. So did Gloomhaven. And Gloomhaven, I believe, is still sitting in the number one spot on Board Game Geek. So, amongst hardcore board game fans, everyone agrees um, this is the king of the crop. But why? What makes this stand out? Because there's dozens, hundreds of dungeon crawl board games out there. This game, well, first of all, it's cooperative, but that's not what makes it special. What makes it special is the 
truly simple core idea that drives everything. While we are a group of mercenary adventurers going in, saving people, fighting monsters, whatever it is, standard fantasy stuff, our characters are driven by a hand of cards. We have our entire hand of cards for our character right at the beginning of adventure. Depending on the character, you might have eight cards, you might have 13 cards, but you don't have very many. And these cards represent everything you can do. And the brilliance of these cards is each one of them is a multi-use card that can do four different things. Uh, they have two tops and two bottoms. And every round, every player is going to pick two cards from their hand to play. One of which they'll do an option from the top of one card and an option from the bottom of the other card. And that sounds simple. And it is simple. Um, but the depth and richness of this game comes from all the different ways you can combo all these cards to achieve your goals of trying to fight slimes or, or um, you know, loot treasure chests or whatever it's going to be. And, um, oh, and I said they have four options because, hey, you might want to play a card. They, they always have the really cool, interesting, complex action, but each card could also just be say, say hey, I'm just going to attack for two or I'm going to move for two. So they have really simple things they can do and really complex things they can do. And whether you like it every round, you must pick two of those cards and play them. And, um, th and at the end of your round, you will lose one of them. Uh, and the other one you will get to hold on to, but this is a war of attrition. You didn't start out with very many cards, and even though this game can take a couple hours to play, it's big and long, um, those 13 cards will slowly... Oh, now I'm just down to nine cards. And you're slowly losing them. And the game seems to be beautifully um, designed, so it's always when you kick down the door to the last room that you're like, I've only got three cards left! I don't know <laughs> if we're going to be able to make this work! Ah! But uh, folks, I've kind of buried the lead. That's the basics of what's cool about the cards, but then there's the extra trick. We're all working cooperatively, but we're mercenaries. We don't necessarily trust each other. We've all just been hired to do this job, and we all have secret goals that we want to achieve to earn experience. While we all need to win to move forward in the game, I can't tell you that I'm secretly um, trying to be the player who gets the killing blow on at least X number of enemies. So sometimes, it'll be real, you know, we'll be talking about strategy, before we pick our cards, you know, like, and Rel say, well, really, you should go over and do that. And like, nope, 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 I'm gonna go kill that thing. And like, that thing's not even bothering us. Well, no, I gotta go kill it. Uh, trust me, it'll make sense. And um, you know, and that's a simple little thing, but it it really, for me, enriches the flavor of this game and makes me feel like I don't know if I can trust you at any given time. Why are you off looting all the time? Well, there's enough money to go around. Stop it. I have an objective. And I mean, I love that. There are yeah. so many things I love about this game. I could do an hour on this show. In fact, I have. You go watch my final thoughts for these games. Oh my gosh, I just won't stop talking about them. The other thing that I will come back to, I'll just mention one more thing. When you're deciding which two cards you're going to play, there's one other very important element. Each card has an initiative value on it. Yes. One of those two cards is going to be the speed with which you act. It's anywhere from um, 0 to 99. And I can't tell you, when I'm picking cards, what I'm going to pick. I can't tell you how fast I'm going to go. I could pick these two cards because what I plan to do is very quickly heal you and then run over and bomb that thing. And I'll hopefully, if I kill it, I'll be close enough that I can get the loot. That's my plan. I can talk to you about that in very simple forms. I can say, hey, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to run over here. I'm going to hit that thing. But I can't tell you. I'm going to heal you for six points. I'm going to be able to move three steps. And this is this was originally designed because the game is so rich and complex. They wanted the game to be able to move along quickly. They didn't want players to you know spend too much time. Well, let's analyze everything. Oh, you can move four steps. If you could move five steps, well, I do have these boots. Those would let me move six. You know, it takes all that out. So the gameplay is much more smooth and streamlined because you're not allowed to, to dwell on all those little, um, you know, tricky, uh, you know, one more or one less point, um, you know, might make or break me. Tell me what you're going to do, but also tell me how fast you're going to go. Um, you say you're going to go fast. Well, I need to go before you. If I play this speed with a 22, will I go faster than you? Because if you're going to run away, I need to heal you before you run away. It's all I get. I'm going to go fast. I'm going to go pretty fast. <laughs> okay, okay, well then, okay, I need to change my mind. Okay, I'm going to have to play my fastest card and I'll have to put this other thing on hold. And then we reveal, and for you, you're a slow character. Pretty fast was like a 30. I'm like, ah! So it's an imperfect communication game that yeah. really enhances the overall feel. Although, to be fair, there are rules where you can have perfect communication if you want, and then you just have to increase the difficulty of the game because things get easier if everybody knows exactly when everybody's going to go. But, oh man, Jen and I love it to pieces. For a year, we devoted every Sunday to playing this. No, no matter what was going on in our lives, we were going to get together. So 
we've actually finished the main storyline of Gloomhaven, which is very tough for us in my line of work wow. where I'm constantly playing new games. But Gloomhaven, we played it to pieces. Uh, it's the, my, it's as far as I'm concerned, the greatest dungeon crawl of all time, and it is number five on the list. Gloomhaven. Yeah, I'm glad you talked about that initiative system and the imperfect communication. For yes. me, that's that's what made my experience with it. I've had very limited experience with Gloomhaven, but I've dropped in a couple of different campaigns with friends, and just that part of it has always stood out to me, and it's uh, it's fun, 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 and one of these days, I, I I would love to you know run the whole campaign, but you know like you said, it's you have to devote the time to it. Uh, it's it's not something you just pick up and go like I really I want to f- uh, fully experience it now. The Jaws of the Lion. Um, how how did you find that? That's a smaller, uh, more yes. accessible version, correct? That was the other reason I decided to show Jaws of the Lion. Even though I'm, I'm when I say Gloomhaven, I'm talking about the entire Gloomhaven system. However, you're going right. to play Gloomhaven, I'm talking about that. If I have at all piqued your interest, folks, if you've heard about it and this pushed you over the line, do not go out and pick up Gloomhaven. It's very big, it's very heavy, it's very expensive. It's a huge commitment. Go out and get Jaws of the Lion, which is priced very comparable to a regular board game. It comes with 25 missions, 4 unique characters, and one of the industry's best tutorials ever. Nice. An amazing tutorial that'll take you through the first few missions. And, um, and just, I mean, because... Gloomhaven comes with a super thick manual. It's daunting to learn how to play this game. It is the very definition of throwing people into the deep end of the pool. But Jaws of the Lion really puts those waiters on you. You're having fun in those first few missions, learning things step by step. It's so brilliantly done. And it's a relatively um, low-priced game, certainly compared to Gloomhaven itself, which is a ginormous right. box with a ginormous yeah. amount of content. Jaws of the yeah. Lion. Uh, but again, I, I could have said Jaws of the Lion was number five, but for me, it's just all of Gloomhaven combined. Agreed. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, you could get Jaws of the Lion at like, your local Target, you know, for yes. like, you know, mm-hmm. really, really dirt cheap. So a great choice. All right. Now... Before I move to number four, I had tough. Uh, I had a tough time figuring out where I was going to put this number four. I okay. might have gone. I was thinking it should have gone lower, but as we put together this list, it kept going higher and higher in my my estimation. And it's my favorite worker placement game of all time. It is number four, Viticulture Essential Edition. Okay, um, I, you know what? Uh, I should have known that. Okay, I should have yeah. known that. The, this one again. There are more complex. Uh, worker placement games, um, but this one, for my money, it really melds the theme and the mechanisms together perfectly. There's no other place I'd rather be than in Italy on a vineyard, you know, trying to become the most prosperous uh, vineyard of them all. And, you know, I, I want to talk about this too in the sense that as far as a solo game, this was hugely influential because it was the first game with the Automa system. Yes. And the Automa yes. becomes my favorite way to play a solo game. It's card-driven. It's very Those are very simple systems to learn, and they give you a very nice feel for the, uh, the, the true game. As you can see there in the run-through, I'm actually playing a solo there on my channel there. And what you're doing is sending out your workers in the vineyard to do different tasks to grow uh, 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 grapes to become wine. And you're gonna get them. You're gonna stomp on them. Uh, make you know, make wine. And you're gonna age the grapes and wine year to year. That's round after round. And eventually fill orders. And um, you know, some customers want red wine. Some want wine white. Some want champagne, and so forth. Just everything about this. I love this. The first time I played it, I fell in love with it, and it's, it, the, my love for it's only grown, especially with the expansions. Uh, Tuscany, if you're a hardcore gamer, I think Tuscany is a must. It gets a different board, gives you more actions, yeah. more things to do. You can add in buildings and um, all kinds of other goodies. And recently, just uh, just this past week, mm-hmm. they uh, put up Viticultural World yes. um, uh, for sale, and that is the cooperative version. You can check it out here on Rotter Runs Through, um, his uh, run through on it. I'm also going to be running through it on my uh, Twitch channel live uh, real soon I'm looking forward to the cooperative uh, game Michelle and I love this game all my friends love this game uh, for my money this is the perfect worker placement game that melds the worker placement mechanism and theme I mean you're literally sending workers out there to do the work of uh, running a vineyard and Another, I, I should say, along with the Automa system, another thing this brought in was the Grande Worker, which yeah. I love. This is a worker that, you know, most worker placements games, you go on a spot, you've blocked it off from the other players. The Grande Worker, it's literally a bigger uh, meeple, what can go on those spots that have already been used, and you can use that same action. I love that because I never feel like I'm shut out of stuff. I just have to save my wor- Grande Worker for uh, the spot that I really want. But I, I adore this game uh, from start to finish, and that's why it's our number four. Viticulture Essential Edition. Well, let me just say, you're welcome if you love the Grande that much, because 
I had a little bit of impact on the design of this game. Uh, I yes, covered it when it was on story, please. Yeah, well, it's, it's not much of a story. I covered it when it was on Kickstarter. I had some yeah. complaints about it um, for me and Jen as a particular type of player. Jamie took that on board and said, "Hmm, you know what? Way we could fix that." How about the Grande? The Grande used to work very differently in the pre-release edition. It was much more limited. And so things changed around a little bit, just in part because of my video. But uh, nice. yeah, uh, that that's neither here nor there. The game stands on its own. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant. Whichever version you get, the Essential Edition or the Original Edition with the Tuscany. But man, I cannot agree enough. What really elevates this game to the stratosphere is the new Viticulture World expansion, which does such a brilliant job of taking what was a brilliant competitive worker placement game and turning it into that rarest of beasts, a brilliant cooperative worker placement game. And oh man, wait till you try the new solo mode. The old solo Automa system was nice, but playing the yeah. co-op solo... Oh, oh my gosh! It is. Um, they came up with the uh, the Automa developers went back uh, and they came up with a completely new way to do it. That's so simple and elegant and brilliant. And I am sure a lot of people agree. I mean, uh, for a lot of people, Viticulture is the number one. Actually, I love. We're streaming live right now on uh, June seventh, and somebody in the chat says, "As you were leading up to it, there is my number four, Caverna." But then you didn't because uh, you were leading up. Oh, what's up? But uh, yeah. A, a, a fantastic game. A totally yeah. worth it. And okay. So I think we've just gone for number four, which is something that everybody everywhere will agree with. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't put it there, but can't blame him. Yep. It deserves it. Yep. To the weirdest entry on this list. The one that's really going to make people say, what? Okay. Really? Your number three, the R&R show's number three greatest game of all time is Shadowrun Crossfire? Yes, it is. What? Yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> Wow. As if on cue. Um, the the, the human cry heard around the land. What? Really? Shadowrun Crossfire? Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh. This game, this game is as close to perfection as I have ever seen. Uh, you know, a wonderful, fast-playing, cooperative card game set in a cyberpunk future. Although it's a really... Uh, the uh, For folks who don't know, the Shadowrun role-playing system that this is based on is actually a cyberpunk fused with fantasy. Uh, because apparently, in, I don't know, in the year 2010 or something like that, Fantasy creatures start showing up in our worlds, and then a hundred years later, we're in Blade Runner, but there's orcs and stuff running around. So I have to admit, I've never the Shadowrun is always an interesting idea, but it's never really attracted me. I'm not here for that. I am here for the absolutely rock solid, brilliant cooperative play. And one of the things that really elevates this for me and my wife Jen is it is at once one of the fastest playing co-op games you will ever play. Jen and I will finish a game of this from start to finish, including setup in a half an hour. Um, you know, and uh it's also one of the hardest. Most people who play this for the first few times, or you know, maybe for the first many times, come away saying, this game is practically impossible to win. It's totally unbeatable because every round, um, you know, we are adventurers. We've just finished a heist. It, everything went bad, and we're just trying to get out of town. And every single mercenary in the city of future cyberpunk Seattle, actually, is chasing us down, trying to kill us and get the bounty. And all we're trying to do is survive um, and just take out all the baddies who come after us. And we're doing it through a very simple deck building system. Uh, you start with a very small deck of cards. Over the course of the game, you'll buy maybe five or six cards. And you know, But I mean, your deck had like 10, 12 cards to begin with, so there wasn't very much anyway. But every purchase you make in this game is so important because you'll see that card over and over and over again. And um, they are cards that uh, you know, you'll give you resources for other things. They have all kinds of interesting powers. There's different colors that represent different types of things they can do. Kind of almost a Magic the Gathering style thing, but still very different in feel. But... Um, the reason, the thing that elevates this so far above, it comes back to what I was just saying. Most people, the first few times they play, they think this game is literally impossible. You cannot win. And that is because this game throws every single preconceived notion you have about how to survive in a co-op fantasy adventure game out the window. Uh, like, a really good example is, do not buy the healing cards. The dock wagon. Everybody sees that, oh, of course, we, we, we only have a few hit points. And every time we get hit, I mean, of course, we should use this to keep myself and my teammate alive. No. Um, if you are playing defense, then you are losing. If you are just trying to staunch the bleeding, you will not make it out alive. This game is all about being on offense, because there's one brilliant thing. You're going to go through three waves of bad guys. And if you can get through a wave 
fast enough, however, whatever it takes to do, um, then you will get a free extra shopping round with extra rewards and extra free healing. So everything about this game is timing your momentum, the tempo that you are fighting with. And the other thing, actually, I did a little miniature uh, strategy guide. If you do a search for Rado strategy tips, uh, it was, um, oh, with, uh, oh, I can't think of her name now. Uh, you know, it, it, it really great. Uh, you probably know her well. I know she's in LA. She does a series of, of uh, you know, uh, Tell Me How to Play, I think is the name of the show. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, show Me How to Win. Right? Show Me How to Win. Show Do a search for Rado. Show Me How to Jackie. Win, and you'll see me uh, with Jackie. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I'm just giving you a brief thing of what I talked about there. The other thing is, do not play all your cards. Uh, you know, deck builder games have, ta- have taught you, hey, okay, I've got all these cards, I gotta play them. Play them, play them, play them, so I can get more. Yep. That's a way to die in this game. Only play a card when it's really gonna matter. If it only gets you halfway towards fighting a monster, don't play it. Hold on to it, because chances are, next round, you're gonna need it for something much more important. And so, this game, it just throws every convention out the window. It breaks the rules of deck builders, it breaks the rules of co-ops, and it provides you with one of the fastest playing, most um, aggressive, challenging games there is. And, um, and don't feel too bad, because if you lose, hey, it only took you like 20 minutes, and you can set up and play it again immediately. Again, like Gloomhaven before, I barely scratched the surface. Another thing I love is the abort. If one, if you are, if, if everybody in the team goes down and there's only one person left, the rules change. Every single bad guy jumps on that last remaining hero player, and if that hero player can survive one round going through that gamut, they successfully pull everybody out. So it's an alternate win condition. And when Jen and I have pulled that off, it's almost better than getting a straight win because it's it's right out of an action movie. And you everything about this game, you're just constantly envisioning the you know these uh, rain swept um, cyberpunk alleys, fights for the death, stopping every once in a while to you know to recharge and get some extra gear and hopefully get out of town. I love everything about it. I should say, I'm sure some people ask, well, what about Dragonfire, um, which is basically the sequel and it's set in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. I've actually talked about that quite a bit in my final thoughts on Dragonfire. It's very, very nice, but they made some changes to actually simplify the game and make it easier, and I prefer... I'm a bit of a masochist. I like getting beat up, which is why Shadowrun Crossfire comes in at number three. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Wow. I I knew how much you loved this game. I didn't know it was going to be this highly ranked. So I am, yeah, I need to play this game. Wow, it sounds so cool. And for a 20 to 30 minute game, oh, that sounds like such a great experience. And... I can't wait to try it. So, 30, 30 minutes, This the game for my personal, our, our number two, my personal number one mm-hmm. of all time, it does not take 30 minutes to play. Yeah. In fact, it doesn't even take 30 minutes to teach the game, <laughs> to learn the game. It's going to take a, a lot longer. Uh, my number, my favorite game of all time, and uh, it's our number two, Twilight Imperium, fourth edition. No surprise if you know me, folks. I absolutely love this game. And this is such an outlier for me because yeah. I do not like games that take more than two hours to play. I'm more of a give me an hour and a half at most an hour. But this one just it it takes six hours to play normally. And I've played the I've played the game my most recent game. It nearly broke me. I played a twelve hour <laughs> game of this with the expansion. <laughs> but it's so unique. There's nothing else like it. And it is an event, folks. It is not just a game. It's an event. You plan for a whole day. You plan out with your friends. It is a 4X game. Uh, it's a space opera in a box, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. 17 different factions. They all play differently. It's asymmetrical. And what are you trying to do? It's just a race to 10 points. That's it. A very simple race to 10 points. But it's going to take you hours to get there. So be prepared. But here's the thing. As much as this game is hyped for its length... It's not that complicated, folks. You're doing one exactly one action per turn, and okay. most of the time you're getting you know you're going to do the actions that are listed on your player aid. You also have strategy cards that you're going to do. So if you do a strategy card, other players can follow, and it's very much like uh, Puerto Rico, where you get mm. like a lesser ability form of that action, which I think is brilliant because it keeps you engaged in the game. Uh, as you see in the video, there you can see one of the factions, many of, of them. 
boy, oh boy, this game, it, there's a, a negotiation, uh, a diplomacy factor to this game that kicks into play when someone takes over the middle planet, the main planet of the universe, which is Mechatol Rex. A little shout out to my friend Becca Scott. We call it Becatol Rex in her honor whenever we get together to play. Um, boy, oh boy, uh, it's just, it, it's... Epic in all sense of the of the word. Um, you start in your little corner of the galaxy with a few ships. You're going to eventually spread out, spread out your influence, and you are going to fight. But here's the thing: as much as this game is a forex, you don't have to do. You don't have to get into combat to win. Yeah. I've been in games, several games, where players have either only gotten to one fight or no fights because. There are different objectives. You have your public objectives that people all shoot for, for the point. But then you have secret objectives, too. And you can get those throughout the game. And those uh, range from, like, hey, just have a certain number of resources that you can spend. Or, hey, have a certain number of influence. Uh, control different types of planets. So it's not always about conflict. But it's that threat of conflict that drives this game. And, oh, the stories of this game. I, I So I did, <laughs> let me back up. I did this challenge before the pandemic. I wanted to play Twilight Imperium 10 times in a calendar year. And I accomplished that through, um, you know, friends and, you know, different conventions. And every single one of those games, I can tell you a little bit about every single one because they're so unique and they tell such great stories of how, hey, you know, my my uh, my space cats, the... Um, um, <laughs> Emirates of Hakan, we were able to rule the universe through our, you know, uh, awesome trade values and being able to trade with uh, folks in order to, I was able to, you know, uh, sneak away with the victory because I was able to get enough goods to do this on the final turn. There's so many stories like that. I mean, just uh, epic battles, epic uh, confrontations, and always inevitably someone hosing someone uh, through, a, uh, through a deal like, oh, I promise I won't uh, attack you on this turn. But that doesn't mean I can't <laughs> yeah. attack you on the next turn, yep, and yep, that's yep. going to happen. Uh, this is not the game for everyone, but at the same time, I feel like uh, gamers, folks, give it a shot if you can, because it's such an event and it's such so epic in scope, and everything works together. Everything makes sense. It just takes a while to play, and when I mean a while, I mean all day. But it's my number one in game of all time, and it's our number two on yes. the R and R shows top one hundred of all time: Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. Yeah, I I do look even though it's not my cup of tea. I do look forward. I yeah. if, I feel like it's on my bucket list. I have to try that at some point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, yeah. And that's what it was. It was on my bucket list for years. And you know, uh, again, thanks to uh, Becca and um, Jake uh, Michaels, um, director over there uh, that she works with uh, on Good Time Society. He invited me to a game one time, and I sat down. I played. And I was. It lived up to all the hype, and then some. And I fell in love with it. Again, it's not something I'm going to play on a regular basis, but when I do, it's an event, and it's so special, and I, I love it so much. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I, I you, you said right up front, the video we were watching, we were watching a bunch of images because I don't have a video of it on the channel. And yeah. I keep pestering Shay Parker, another contributor to the channel. Shay, it's your number one game of all time, too. Where's yeah. my Twilight Imperium 4 <laughs> run through on the channel? Well, yeah. you know where he lives. Go beat down his door. I want the two of you doing a run through of this thing so that, the rest of the yeah. world can get a sense for why it's our number two. Yeah, and you know, speaking of shit, I do want to mention this. Uh, his oh, yeah. channel, RTFM, uh, he has the number one rules teach of that video. Yes. And I that's how I learned the game. And because of Shay's video, I give that video to any new player. I say, watch this first, because it's the best explanation, bar none, um, out there uh, for, for that game. Yep, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, okay. this is it, folks. You've been waiting this since February it. for the number one. And if you're at all familiar with me and my channel... You knew what it was back in February. Well, <laughs> what's my number one game of all time? We have not worked this out ahead of time. I think you can probably take a fairly good educated guess. I'll take a stab at this. Is it uh, Caverna? No. Is no. it uh, Pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it is Pandemic. Nice. Uh, pandemic, yes. uh, top ranked game in the world, according to me. And I know it ranks incredibly high for you as well, right? It does. It's yeah. uh, just a real quick, a quick personal note. This is the game that got me into the hobby. I yep. bought this me too. Uh, as a birthday present to myself. Yes, and I soloed it. Michelle really wasn't in the gameplay, but I loved it, and that's what got me into the hobby. Yes. Yep. Well, I mean, I think everybody knows about Pandemic. I don't know that I really have to spend much time. First of all, let me say, when I put it in the number one spot, it's not just core vanilla Pandemic. Uh, again, like I mentioned with Gloomhaven, I'm talking about the Pandemic experience, because... 
over the years, we have got so many uh, expansions for Pandemic. Pandemic really um, popularized the idea of legacy gameplay with Pandemic Legacy Season 1, which was such a hugely important milestone for the history of the industry. And we've gotten all these really awesome spinoffs like Fall of Rome and, um, oh, uh, oh, what, uh, you know, uh, uh, Iberia and whatnot. So all those things combined all in my head goes into the soup that is Pandemic and becomes the number one. But what is Pandemic? Pandemic is a uh, cooperative race against time to save the world from the spread of various uh, virulent diseases. And of course, it's a particularly timely game in the world we live in right now. And I, you know, I've talked about this in the past that some people are like, well, isn't it kind of bad taste to talk about Pandemic? I don't think so because the story Pandemic tells casts us in the role of true heroes. First, um, you know, frontline first responders, medical personnel whose only goal in life is to save lives and stop the spread of disease. To me, Pandemic has always told the story of humanity at its best in darkest times. And I mean, I think it reminds us of everybody. We owe such a huge uh, mountain of gratitude to all these people in real life. When I play this game, I am thinking of the doctors and nurses who have helped me and my family. I am thinking of the people who are out there trying to get um, you know fresh drinking water um, you know so that uh, disease won't spread all this kind of stuff because in this game it's it's actually everything else I just set aside an incredibly important influential design it might not be the yes. first co-op game out there but this is the one that made the industry say oh there's a market for co-op and it created a blueprint that probably 80% of all successful co-op games now follow. I like to call it the fighting fires blueprint because you've got a board and every round there's going to be some randomizing feature in this game. It's a deck of cards that will make cubes appear that you have to go out and fight. And these things will spread if left alone. They will metastasize. And so you're always having to work with your fellow players to come up with the best strategy to stay one step ahead of them. But you have to divide your time between just fighting all those fires. I mean, sometimes this has actually showed up in real firefighting games, actually, more than one. Um, but you always have some central goal that you're trying to achieve, too. In this game, we're trying to actually cure the diseases. And at heart, the way we do all of this is multi-use cards. Nobody ever talks about this. Pandemic is one of the greatest examples of multi-use cards in the history of the industry. Because you generally have a hand of, uh, depending on player count, you start with a different number of hands, but you draw more cards over time. There's a maximum hand size you can have. And each one of these cards represents a city somewhere in the world. And these cards can be used for several different things. If you're in that city, you can play the card to fly anywhere you want. If you're anywhere but that city, you can play the card to fly directly there. Um, if that, if you have in your hand a group of cards of the same color that represents a region of the world, you can discard them at certain places in the world to cure the disease that's associated with that region. And that is what we are trying to to do in this game as fast as we can, racing against time. Um, and I mean, I won't go into all the different variants and offshoots and all that, but every single version of Pandemic you'll ever play has that core idea of firefighting. I'm actually showing a brief video I did once of Pandemic on the Brink, which um, is one of, it was the first expansion and still one of the best. Also, not for nothing, Pandemic has had such a huge impact on me and my wife's life, in part because like Ruel, this is what got me into the hobby. I bought it because it was recommended to me at a board game store called Blue Highway Games in Seattle when I went in looking for a copy of Travel Scrabble because Jen and I were about to take a trip and they said, no, you're not going to buy that. Tell me what, tell me about yourself. What do you and your wife like? And I walked out of there with Pandemic and that led to where we are today, quite frankly. Um, I, you know, if I'd chosen a different game, I don't think this is where we'd be. Um, also, my wife, who is a glass artist uh, of, you know, a gamerglass.art, one of her most popular lines of gamerglass pieces she makes is the Pandemic of Virus set uh, that we've got there oh, cool. on screen. Uh, they're just uh, cute, adorable. Yeah. Uh, just adds a little bit of color and flavor to the game. But, you know, I mean, I just talked about it quite a bit, and I said I wasn't going to need to because everybody knows what Pandemic <laughs> is, and yet I just spent so much time. So I'm going to stop right there. Pandemic, especially more than anything else, uh, above all else, Pandemic... Legacy Season 1 is has given me and my wife literally in my 53 years on this planet the best gameplay experience of anything. And I put sports, I put video games, Pandemic Legacy Season 1 moved us in such a way and it moved the industry. It's an incredibly important game and it's yes. a brilliant game. Number 1 on our list, Pandemic. 
Yeah, no surprises there, and for for good reason. Yeah, a Pandemic Legacy, one of my all-time favorite legacy experiences. Yes. Like you said, the storyline of that is outstanding. And, you know, just a little shout-out to one of my favorite versions of it, the uh, dice game. I, I love uh, Pandemic The Cure. Uh, it's a very uh, neat little mm-hmm. implementation using dice, which I always enjoy. I Before the, the smaller box versions of the game came out, uh, like North America yeah. and Europe, mm-hmm. um, I was using Can- T- Pandemic Cure as the one to introduce new players to. Oh, but, a fantastic um, gateway game. Game, a fantastic yeah. travel game too, uh, Pandemic yes, the right. Cure, definitely. Yep. Where it basically it's Pandemic and it replaces the cards that drive everything with dice that yep. drive everything. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, I mean, there's so many wonderful shades of Pandemic out there. How could it not right. be the greatest yes. game board game of all time? Some might agree, but I, I stand by it. Okay, folks. All right, we've done it. Started in February, wow. we did ended it in June. Phew. Yeah. Okay, but before we go, folks, were you listening? Did one of us say the secret word, Dolly? Did you, Ruel? I don't remember if I did. I I, I, I don't know. Folks, you have to listen. (laughs) And if you heard one of us say it, send the name of the game to contest at rotto.com. Oops, I put the wrong thing. Uh, Send the name of the game uh, to contest... At rotto.com. I remember right at the beginning, I deleted everything. I was so dumb and oh, I couldn't undelete right, it. Yeah. Uh, Windows <laughs> Notepad doesn't really have much in the way of undelete, unfortunately. I really need to upgrade. Yeah. Um, but if you if you heard one of us say, Dolly, what game was it? Send that name of the game as the subject. Uh, and you'll be entered to win First Rat, which again, I, this is a lovely, lovely game. Really very, very surprising. And that's it. We're wow. done. Okay, we Ruel. Again, as we said up front, this is the uh, final weekly episode of the R&R. We were doing it just about a year. I think we started I think we started in late June or early July of last year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, right. it has been a long road, but the road is not over, folks. It's going to continue. Um, you'll, you'll be able to see us on June uh, 28th and 29th. We'll be doing, we'll be getting together for another R&R. So, hey, you know what? Absent makes the heart go fronder. It'll be a bit more of an event. That's right. But we'll That's still right. be doing stuff in the meantime um, as more and more content gets unlocked by folks watching on Twitch. So I want to say a big shout out to everybody, to our, our little board game family we've developed over the last year on Twitch. Uh, really so satisfying to see our little community grow here uh, but not no one to, you know thanks to everybody on YouTube who watches this yeah. show and makes it uh, as popular as it is uh, I'm yeah. always surprised that within the first week we generally have about 5,000 views within the first month often we have upwards of 10 that's a huge hit so yeah. well we're, we're not done yet we gotta keep no. on working yeah. on it we're, we're going to keep doing it. And again, just along those lines, I want to thank everyone on YouTube, Twitch, and also the BGG Guild just, you know, for welcoming me with open arms here on the Rotto uh, channel. I really appreciate y'all. Y'all have been nothing but kind and welcoming, and it's been a, an honor and uh, a pleasure working with Richard every week. But again, we're not done. We're going to continue yeah. this just on a different uh, uh, schedule uh, from here on out. So yep. we got plenty of stuff to go. And we're not done right now either, because right. I'm going to say thanks for watching. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye. And then we're going to go to the post show, and we're going to have a little bit of a chit-chat with the audience. So, uh, Ruel, once again, thanks for going on this journey with me. Audience, thanks for making it all possible. And along those same lines, thanks to sponsor of the show, Pegasus North America. Have a very, very nice day, everybody. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, Bye-bye.